Let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of Ruth, chapter number one. Ruth, chapter number one. And uh, we're going to be looking tonight at verses 6 through 18. Ruth, chapter one, verses 6 through 18. Those of you who were not able to be with us last week, we began a study of the book of Ruth that will be, uh, Lord willing, taking a about two months or so to go through this uh, little book, four chapters. And the title of the uh, series is God's Redeeming Love. The events in the book of Ruth took place during the book of Judges, during that time in Israel's history, so kind of overlapping a little bit with our Judges study here. Probably in the second half of, of that history, so the second half of the 400 years. And in the first verses, we learned about a man by the name of Elimelech, who made the poor decision to leave the promised land to go into the land of Moab. And I think we, we would say that he probably made that decision for what he thought was a good reason. There was a famine in the land, and he thought he could find food and provide for his family in Moab, to f- provide for the physical needs at least. But that decision was based solely on human reasoning and fleshly wisdom. And as we saw last week, actually went against the revealed will of God given in the word of God about not mingling with the Gentile nations, the heathen nations around them. Apparently, he did not consider the spiritual repercussions that the move would have on his family. Instead, just trusted in his own reason, and that always leads to undesirable consequences. And in Elimelech's case, he died in the land of Moab. His sons married Moabite women, and both of his sons died in the land of Moab. And ultimately, where we left off last week, we find that his wife, Naomi, and his two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, were left with no one to take care of them. And so tonight, I want to begin by reading our text, and then uh, we'll look at some of the details here um, as we go through the evening. So beginning in verse number 6 of Ruth, chapter 1, then she, that is Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Naomi said, No, turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say, I have hope. If I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave to her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. 
Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. These verses show us how three different ladies responded to a very tragic circumstance. Naomi decided to return to the land of promise. Orpah decided to go back to the land of false gods and idols. And Ruth determined to remain with Naomi and chose to place her faith in Jehovah. You know, when we go through times of trial, God wants to use those trials to draw us closer to himself. Anytime we face difficult circumstances, we always have a choice how we respond. And how we respond to tragedies will determine whether or not we benefit or whether or not we continue to struggle through and because of the trial. For the Christian, perhaps, who has sinned, they have an opportunity to repent and to go back to the place that they should be. For the unbeliever, they have the opportunity to accept what the Lord is doing in their life and place their faith in Him. But then there's always the possibility that someone could choose to turn away from the Lord. The truth is God wants the best for our lives. And He can work through even the worst of circumstances to achieve it. That's why we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to his purpose. Now, Naomi and Ruth and Orpah were facing a real tragedy. Elimelech has died. Malon and Chilion have died. And these three ladies are left all alone. And so they have to make a decision. What are we going to do? How are we going to pay for shelter? How are we going to have enough food? What are we going to do with our lives? They were at a very crucial point. And we learned through their story tonight that when we face tragedies in our lives, we must respond with repentance and faith, trusting God to work through the trial for our good and for his glory. Let's get into our outline tonight. First of all, I want you to see with me Naomi's decision. Naomi's decision. In verses 6 and 7, we find that at the end of this 10-year period, Naomi heard that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. In other words, she'd heard that the famine was over. I was thinking about it this afternoon. Time is funny. In some ways, it seems very short, but in other ways, it seems very long. And I got to thinking about a decade ago. Back in 2013, how many of you can remember back that far? Okay. Who was president in 2013? Barack Obama. Uh, 2013, we were just really recovering from the last financial crisis before this one. Uh, the Great Recession, they called it, 2008-2009. Uh, you think about how much has changed in just that decade since 2013. Maybe some of you um, have had some major life changes in the last 10 years. Maybe you've moved to new houses. Maybe uh, you have new family members that have come into your family through marriage or birth. Uh, a lot can change. Maybe there are family members and loved ones that were with you in 2013 that aren't anymore. So much can happen 
in that span of time. And yet some ways you think about things in 2013 and it feels like it was just yesterday, you know? feels like just yesterday uh, that Caleb was an eight-year-old and uh, doing everything head first, just like he does now, you know? Uh, And you think about it, it's like it just, you know, time flies. And I got to thinking about just how time passes and trying to put it in perspective as I thought about this story tonight because Naomi has been in the land of Moab for 10 years. In a lot of ways, that is a long period of time. That's long enough to make a whole new set of friends and get comfortable in a whole new uh, uh, city or state or country as she was in, uh, long enough to learn where all the important Walmarts are and be able to get there without GPS, you know. It's a long period of time. But throughout that whole period of time, there was a longing in the back of Naomi's heart. I think she knew that Moab was not where she was supposed to stay. And we don't know how she came to find out about the famine uh, being over, but at some point at the end of that 10-year period, she received the news that God had visited his people and giving them bread. In other words, they had food to eat now. And when she got that news, she knew right then that she was at a very important decision point in her life. She received this news. Now she had to decide, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to ignore it and stay where I am, or am I going to take this opportunity and go back? Now, for Naomi to go back was going to be very difficult. First of all, she had Ruth and Orpah to consider. They're now looking to her for leadership and guidance. Uh, She has a lot of questions, I'm sure. Is anybody going to remember me? What's it going to be like? Uh, Is my house even still going to be there? You know, what am I going to do uh, to make a living and to... Uh, just to be able to survive. Uh, what, what are people going to think of me? They know that we left 10 years ago because of the famine. Are they going to say that we, we bailed out and that we were cowards? Are they going to even want to be my friends anymore? And I'm sure she had many other things that was uh, going on in her mind. I think she was probably very lonely having lost her husband and her two sons. I think she was probably afraid of the unknown. No matter what direction she went, there was an uncertainty there. We don't know exactly how long it was after her sons died, but whatever length of time between then and the time that she got this news, it would have been a time filled with a lot of worries and cares and questions and uncertainty. So Naomi received the news one day that God had been merciful to his people, had provided them food, And as we discussed last week, we can connect some dots here because from Scripture, we know that this is also an indication of the spiritual condition of Israel improving. In other words, that the land was no longer under God's judgment. Remember Deuteronomy 11, verses 13 through 17. It shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. So it was both an indication that, all right, it's going to be easier to find food, but more importantly, that the, the spiritual temperature of Israel had improved. And it's at this point that she has a choice to make. She could remain where she is and try to make the best of it, try to make the best of a bad situation, or she could return to Bethlehem with the uncertainty that that would uh, entail, 
not knowing exactly for sure how things might turn out, but trust God to take care of her in the process. You see, Naomi knew that Moab was not the place that God wanted her to be. How do we know that? Well, let's go back to our text here. And notice what she said in verse number 13. The end of the verse, she said to Ruth and Orpah, It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. I believe that was an indication that Naomi understood that she was not in the right place. Now she followed, she followed her husband there. It was his decision. She was following his leading. The initial decision was not necessarily hers to make. We can't lay the blame at her feet for ending up there. But at this point, what she does with this information, from then on, she is the one responsible for the full consequences. She understood that she needed to be in the promised land, and so she made a decision. She decided to go back to Bethlehem. And I believe that her decision here is a great illustration of what biblical repentance looks like. Now again, Naomi was not in that place by her own choosing initially, but by the direction of her husband. But her choice now would determine whether she would remain in a place where that was not where God wanted her, or whether she would and, and remain separated from the place of God's blessing and the people of God's blessing, or whether she would go back to the promised land where she knew God wanted her to be. And the choice she made was to go in a different direction than the one that she had been in and the one that she had been going. To go to a different place, she chose to return. The biblical concept of repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of direction. When you look at Scripture and you look at how God describes what repentance looks like, it is a change of mind that results in a change of direction. It begins in the mind and it results in actions that are different. Repentance is at the core of the Christian life. There are those who would teach that repentance is not necessary. And there's others who go so far as to say that if you teach the concept of repentance that you're adding works to salvation. But repentance properly understood does not add works to the gospel because it's not you cleaning yourself up and coming to God. It's you deciding, I can't clean myself up. And you turn to the Lord in faith, which is the opposite of works, Romans chapter 4. Repentance is the truth that we must change our mind about sin and about God and turn to God in faith. Jesus said in Mark nine thirteen, but go ye and learn that what that meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Repentance is at the heart of the gospel message. A sinner cannot be saved unless they repent, unless they change their mind and change their direction, turning to the Lord in faith. Second Peter 3, 9 tells us that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not, any, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Repentance. It is necessary for salvation. But let me remind you tonight that repentance is also necessary for ongoing sanctification. 
Does a Christian need to repent? The answer is an emphatic yes. There are many times as we grow in Christ's likeness, as we go through the process of putting off the deeds of the flesh, being renewed in our mind, putting on the new man and the, the fruit of the Spirit, that, that we're going to have to repent of things, of sins that we've committed, of thoughts that were not true, that we held, that beliefs that were false, that we had to come in agreement with the Word of God. Paul, in writing to the Corinthian believers, said this in 2 Corinthians 7, verses 9 through 10, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us and nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. He said to the believers, I'm glad, not that you were sorry, but that you were sorry enough to repent. Now, what does this have to do with Naomi and this whole situation? Well, sometimes God will allow hard circumstances in your life because of sin, because there's something you need to repent of. And when God does that, the proper way to respond is, is to repent, to change your mind and to get right with God, to return to the place that you should be, a place of right fellowship, of righteous communion with God. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. It illustrates this truth so beautifully. The prodigal son had left his father's house. He went in the wrong direction. He went to the world. He spent, spent all his money, wasted that money with riotous living. There came a famine in the land, not unlike our story that we're looking at with Ruth. And the boy got so hungry and so destitute that he took a job feeding pigs. And he was so hungry he would have eaten the pig slop if he could have. And it was finally then that the Bible says that he came to himself. Sometimes you need to come to yourself. You just need to sit you down and say, now listen here, we need to have a talk. And he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough food to eat? And here I am sitting in this mud wishing I could eat pig slop. Now, that's not King James, but that's the gist of it, okay? And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rise, and I'm going to go to my father's house. You know what that was? That was the beginning of repentance. A change of mind that ultimately resulted in a change of direction. And when bad circumstances arise in our life, a good first question to ask is, is there some sin in my life that God is trying to bring my, to my attention through this? Now, not every trial is directly caused by some specific sin that we go through. Sometimes our trials are a result of other people's sins. Sometimes we don't know why the trials come. Sometimes God just sends a trial because he has something that he wants to teach us about himself. But it is not a bad thing to ask yourself and to ask the Lord, is there some sin in my life, God, that you're trying to bring to my attention through this trial? And if there is, the right response is repentance. Repent of your sin, confess it, receive the forgiveness and cleansing that God freely offers. James 4.8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. In that wonderful jewel of scripture, 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this choice that Naomi made to return started her back on the very long road to recovery. 
Now, as we go through this story, I, I want you to see with me that Naomi's life did not instantly become perfect just because she made this one choice. Even tonight, we're going to notice that there's some things that she said that she shouldn't have said. They were not biblically accurate. Wasn't good advice. But this is what started her going back in the right direction. She had a long way to go. She had a lot that she had to learn again. She had a lot that she had to get over. And I think we should be willing to understand that about her story. And be honest. Listen, if you have been in the wrong place for 10 years, you're not going to fix everything overnight. But you must start by making the decision to repent and return. This decision did not bring her husband back. This decision did not bring her sons back. This decision did not erase the bad memories from the last decade of her life. It didn't wash off the influence of the Moabite culture that she had been immersed in. But the direction of her life changed. And that new direction resulted in renewed blessings for her. And that's the important takeaway tonight. The direction changed. And ultimately, that right direction would result in renewed blessings. We look in our text at verses 8 through 13. And we see the back and forth that Naomi had with Ruth and Orpah. They had begun to leave Moab, and on the way out, Naomi, I don't know if she had a change of heart or, or what precipitated this conversation, but at some point on the way out of Moab, she turns to Ruth and Orpah and says, y'all really should go back home. Go back to your mother's houses. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. I believe that Naomi truly wanted what was best for Ruth and Orpah. I just think that she was very unsure of what that was. And I think she was uneasy about having them come with her when she didn't even know how she was going to take care of herself. I mean, if we put ourselves in her situation, we can understand the fear and the uncertainty that she was dealing with. We can sympathize with her and why she might say to these ladies, you should probably go back home. Well, they didn't want to leave her. Verse number 9 says that they lifted up their voice and, and, uh, uh, and wept. And initially, both Orpah and Ruth, according to verse number 10, wanted to come with Naomi. But Naomi pressed the matter. She said to them, in essence, look, I, I'm not going to have any more children. And even if I did, are you going to wait 20 years or however long until my sons are old enough to marry? No, you need to go back. You need to find yourselves new husbands. You need to start a new life. And that's when she said at the end of verse number 13, My daughters, it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She's still distraught. She's still got a lot of grief. She's still got a lot of questions, frustration, uncertainty, doubt that she's dealing with. She made her decision, though, to leave Moab and return to Beth Bethlehem. And we can see in this that 
Naomi still has a way to go in recovering a biblical perspective. Her faith was not perfect at this point. If it was, she would have said to both of them, I'm so glad that you're coming with me because in Israel we worship the true God and you're going to learn more about him and he's going to bless you for it. But that's not what she said. She encouraged them to go home and we'll see in a moment she knew that meant to go back to idol worship as well. Perhaps the years of trial had weakened her faith so much that she was not confident enough to ask her daughters-in-law to trust, trust God with the unknown. But whatever was in her heart, after this discussion, Orpah and Ruth both made a decision. One decided to go back, one decided to stay. They were both at the same crossroad. They were faced with the same choice. They made a different decision. And the result is that one, Orpah, this is the end of her story. We hear nothing else about her. She ends her life in obscurity. The other went on and received tremendous blessing from the Lord. And we read the book named after her. So let's notice, first of all, Orpah's decision, which was to depart. Orpah's departure in verses 14 and 15. They lifted up their voice and wept again, but and then it says, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. That is the idea. She kissed her goodbye. But Ruth claved to her. Now verse 15, notice it. Naomi says to Ruth, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Unto her gods. That's how we know that Naomi was, was fully aware what it meant for Ruth and Orpah to go back to their families and back to Moab. And she says to Ruth, Return thou after thy sister-in-law. I have all the sympathy in the world for Naomi, but I cannot condone that advice. That was bad advice. To say, your, your sister-in-law has gone back to her gods and her people. You need to follow her. No, she didn't need to do that. She needed to come with Naomi. And thankfully, Ruth at this point had enough faith in God to stick with Naomi. But let's look at Orpah's decision first. If we look at this from the human standpoint, we really can't blame Orpah for doing what she did. Her own mother-in-law, a lady that she trusted, a lady that she assumed had her best interest at heart and would give her wise advice, had said, you need to go back home. And so she followed that advice. But the problem with her decision is that she not only went back to her people, as we read here, she went back to her gods. Orpah knew about Jehovah, but she made the decision to go back and worship the heathen gods of the Moabites. She returned to the world and to sin. That's what she did. Sadly, many people respond this way when hard times come. A trial comes in their life, and instead of drawing closer to God, they drift away from Him. They turn their back on the Lord, and they go in the opposite direction. Some Christians backslide because of trials. Many who are lost reject the gospel that's been given to them because of some hardship that they are experiencing or maybe have in the past. In the parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus told about the seed that fell on the stony ground that when the sun came up, it was scorched 
And he said about that seed, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root which for a while believe, but in time of temptation fall away. The truth is hard times are going to come to us all. And in those times you will be tempted to turn your back on the Lord. It's not a matter of if you will face such temptations, it's a matter of when. The devil will tempt you to think it was never this bad when I was living in the world. I should just go back. It'll be easier. You'll wonder whether it's really worth to try it, worth it to try and keep following the Lord. And you might even think like the psalmist in Psalm 73, 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. But we must not give in to the temptation to forsake the Lord. Because God wants to use your trials to benefit your life, but if you choose to live a life of sin, the opposite will be true. And here at this crossroads, Orpah made the wrong decision. She decided to go back to the world. Again, from a human standpoint, we get it. She might think that I have no idea how I'm going to take care of myself there. Nobody can tell me where we're going to live, how we're going to eat, anything. At least back home, I know, I know something. She might have thought to herself, as long as I'm with Naomi and Ruth, I'm going to just be constantly reminded of the painful things that have happened to us. And I think I would just feel better if I went another direction and just got away. And we might be at points in our life where we feel like the pain's too much or that the heartache is going to tear us in half and it's not worth it to try and keep doing what is right because everything turns out wrong anyway. But we do not have to give in to the temptation to forsake the Lord. We can follow Him faithfully. You know, even in the midst of the worst trials, Job maintained his faith in God. It says in Job 1.22, In all this Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. And if Job could do it, then by the grace of God, you and I can too. We must not forsake the Lord when hardship comes. But then let's notice, finally, Ruth's determination. In verses 16 through 18, we find that Ruth did the exact opposite of what Orpah did. She determined to do what was right. She said, verse 16, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall be my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. For the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And notice what verse 18 says. When she, Naomi, saw that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. She was steadfastly minded. She was determined. She made up her mind. This is what I'm going to do. Don't ask me again to leave you. I'm not leaving you. She was determined. And it was that determination that led her to make a determination, to make a decision, a choice. And she chose to remain with Naomi, to return to the land of Naomi's people and to place her trust in Naomi's God, Jehovah. That determination must begin first in the heart. Like Daniel 1.8 says, that the Hebrew children purposed in their heart 
that they would not defile themselves with a portion of the king's meat. That was an internal decision that was made before the external decision. And Ruth here had made up her mind, I'm not leaving. And so we read in verse number 16, she said, thy people shall be my people. And most importantly, she said, thy God, my God. Naomi had said, go back like Orpah did to your mother and to your gods. And she said, no, your people are my people. And more importantly, your God, Jehovah, is my God, the true God. This is her profession of faith. And because of that, we can say confidently that she was saved. She was a righteous woman. For her, this trial led to her regeneration. Her regeneration and renewal that comes when anyone places their faith in the Lord for salvation. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Ghost. When we speak of regeneration, that word simply means new birth, like in John chapter 3 when Jesus said that except a man be born again, he shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That new birth comes when we place our faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. But not only is there regeneration, with that new birth is a renewal that takes place. Titus 3.5 speaks of the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That begins at the moment of salvation. And there's, a, there's, there's a, two aspects of that. There's one aspect in which in Christ we are made new. All things become new. But then there's also a practical aspect of it, that the process of renewing begins at the moment of salvation. And it must continue throughout our Christian life in this process of sanctification because that involves the renewal of the mind, constantly being made new. Romans 12, 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There was a lot in Ruth's thinking that was going to have to change. There was a lot she was going to have to learn about what it meant to truly serve God and what the true God expected of her. There was a lot of mental renewing that was going to have to take place. But that began for her on this road between Moab and Bethlehem when she made the determination, I am going to follow God and I'm going to stay with Naomi. She placed all of her trust in Jehovah She's going to go to a land that is foreign to her. She doesn't know how the people are going to treat her. She doesn't know how well she'll be cared for. To be honest, in many ways, it would have been much easier for her to go back home. But she understood that if she did, it would have been to her spiritual detriment. So she chose to trust God, and in spite of the appearance of the circumstances, she would do what would be the best thing for her spiritually, to align herself with God and God's people. In fact, she was so determined that she formed a kind of a death pact with Naomi. She said, where you die, I'm going to die. This was a till death do us part kind of a thing. Notice how in verse number 17, she invokes the name of Jehovah. She said, the Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death part thee and me. 
your Bibles, the word Lord there should be in all capital letters. That's the translator's way of letting you know that the word in the original is the word Jehovah, the name of God, Jehovah. I am that I am. She is no longer a heathen Moabite. She is now a follower of Jehovah. Ruth has changed as a result of this hardship. She is not the same Ruth as 10 years before. Just like Naomi's not the same Naomi. And Orpah was not the same Orpah. But Ruth's change, we can say emphatically, was a change for the better. She has improved. She has become a new woman through faith in God. And God wants the same thing to happen to you and me in the trials that we go through. He wants us to be made better because of our trials. He wants us to be made better because of our trials. For the person who's not saved, he wants to bring them to the point of salvation. For the person who is saved, he wants us to learn through the hardships and he wants us to become more like him as a result. And when we do that, we experience even greater blessing. Romans chapter, or rather James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Ever struck you how strange that commandment sounds? Because we do not usually rejoice when we face trials. At least that's not our natural instinct. That's something that the Holy Spirit has to teach us how to do. And the Holy Spirit tells us why we should do that in these verses. James chapter 1, verse 3, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. You know what that is? That is a level of spiritual maturity that results in God's blessing on your life. Wouldn't you want to be in the place where you could say, I am, I'm lacking nothing. I have everything I need. God has given me all that I need in every way of life. Well, God says trials is what he uses to bring us to that point of being perfect and entire. As we wrap it up, I want to just note to you the contrast between the decision that Elimelech made and the decision that Ruth made, both in response to difficult circumstances. Elimelech chose to leave the land of promise to go to a heathen nation. Ruth chose to leave the heathen nation to go to the land of promise. Elimelech was worried about his physical condition and so endangered himself spiritually. Ruth was more concerned about her spiritual condition and was willing to risk the unknown of the physical in order to make sure that she was in the best place spiritually. Elimelech was relying on his own understanding. He thought it would be the best thing to go to Moab, but Ruth is trusting in the Lord to take care of her. Elimelech died in a place that's not where God wanted him to be. Ruth got to experience God's richest blessings, even ultimately being placed into the lineage of Christ when she went to Bethlehem and lived by faith in God. That's the difference between trusting yourself and trusting God. When you trust yourself, bad consequences always come. Trusting God always results in blessings. As I've said, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be an instant removal of all of the bad in your life. For Naomi, 
those blessings were still a little ways out. But it does mean that when you put yourself on the right path, the path of God's will and the path of righteousness, you are on the path that leads to God's greatest blessings. So how will we respond to hard circumstances in our life? Naomi returned to the land of promise. And that illustrates to us the need of repentance when God brings trials. Orpah returned to the world, a reminder that the devil is going to tempt us to turn our back on God in hard times. Ruth placed her faith in the Lord and had that regeneration and renewal. She changed for the better as a result of her trial. Whatever happens to you in life, you must trust God even through the worst of circumstances and choose to respond with faith and obedience. Heavenly Father, we bow before you tonight to say thank you that you are a God that we can trust with our lives. Lord, for Naomi and Ruth, we get to see how the story ended. And it encourages us as we are in the middle of our story that when we're facing trials, though we cannot see the how, though we don't understand the why, we can know because you are good because you've promised to do good, that if we choose to follow you, that you will bless us. And Lord, I thank you that you've given us those promises. And I pray that we would walk in faith and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.